Hey, it's Beth here, episode 466. Okay, so I guess it is Tuesday. I don't know how that happened, but Sunday, the, um, the Wall Street Journal Saturday and the New York Times Sunday were really good this week. So my favorite thing was how extremely wealthy people speak in hushed tones. So they want their wealth to just be be quiet. I think it's because everybody doesn't like how they made their money. But anyway, this is what they're buying. They're buying, there's a Halstein water that they import from Austria for their $15,000 Danish coffee machine. They, they get $700 hand embroidered monogram towels that they give as gifts to everyone. And it's Bunny Mellon, who was wealthy from a long time ago, said nothing should be noticed. You know, give me a break, okay? Everyone notices. And they call it quiet luxury. But I'm like, no. There's nothing quiet about any of this. These people have, it's written in here, Birkin bag closets. Okay? Everybody knows what the Birkin bag looks like. And everybody knows you want to carry it. And I think it's awful. Because it doesn't have... A shoulder strap okay so you're supposed to be walking around holding this stupid thing in your hands it reminds me of that you know lady with the alligator purse in walks the doctor nobody except my grandmother had a purse with a handle like that and Jane Birkin just died so I was reading all about her and um, of course she was with Gainsborough that guy and she was the hottest thing she's English but she was in Paris she was the it girl dressed beautifully, everything was great, and she had this big basket, wicker basket that she put all her stuff in. And anyway, she breaks up with that guy and moves to her next boyfriend, Serge something, some movie star. She's having another baby with him, and she wants to change her style, and she wants to start wearing boxy Annie Hall outfits, okay? Fine with me, she's too tiny for it, she didn't look good. but. He said, why don't you get rid of your wicker basket? I hate it. And she said, no, I love it. And so he ran it over with his car. And that's subtle. She's on a plane right after that. And she's sitting next to the CEO of Hermes, that big French gorgeous company. And she tells the guy her, her tale of woe, how her boyfriend, husband, slash whatever, uh, movie star ran over her wicker basket and he's like why don't you just buy another purse she said I have I have a child another child on the way I don't have any place to put all my stuff and so they started talking and on a little paper napkin she designed the purse that she wanted and he said guess what I'm gonna make it for you so he made her the purse but the dimensions weren't correct and it was much tinier and skinnier than she imagined and he said he did that so that it would be a fine line on a French lady's body and she said you forgot the point was I needed to put my things in this purse and so he said yeah you know French blah, blah. and he went on his merry way called it the Birkin bag she never used it she got big coats with huge pockets to put all her stuff in She's not remembered for her music. She's remembered for this purse that she didn't even like. She was furious that her legacy is about this dumb purse that is so 
inconceivably horrible to carry and can hold nothing. And it's called the Birkenbag. So all these girls running around with the Birkenbag and she didn't make the money off of it. So it's just insult, injury, everything to Jane about this purse that everyone wants to carry now in all these different colors. So do not tell me extreme wealth speaks in hushed tones. Give me a break. Hushed tones, that is like the screamiest scream I've ever heard. A pink Birkin bag and a dark pink and a light pink. Like how rich are you? Why don't you just knock it off? But anyway, that's sad because Jane Birkin hated the purse and she hated her name being associated with it. Okay, I made a mistake in the Barbie movie review, although it's written all over the place, that the girl, the lady that Barbie talks to on the bench, the older woman that she says, you're beautiful. I thought it was Barbara, the daughter of Ruth, who inspired the, the doll, along with the, you know, German sex toy. But anyway, uh, it was not her. It was this woman, and her name is Anne Roth. And she's won Tonys and everything because she is a costume designer. That's who the woman is on the park bench. And she is 91 and she's still working. She's Meryl Streep's best friend, but she has done so many movies. The, oh my gosh, The Talented Mr. Ripley was her favorite. She dressed each one of those characters in clothes that would make you know everything about the character. She, every director wanted her on the movie because she would take them into the room and Nora Ephraim, Steven Spielberg, Anthony Minghella, Brian De Palma, everyone you can think of, M. Night Shyamalan or whatever his name is, everybody works with this woman because she's, they call her the Mill Streep of, um, they call her Mill Streep because that's not really her name, but she is the, the best dresser just like they think Meryl Streep is the best actress, okay? So what happened next is she was she was born in Pennsylvania Dutch country. She's a Quaker. I can't imagine how she got so hooked on clothes, but she did. And she would take her characters and put them in front of the mirror like a psychologist and explain to them why they're wearing this outfit. What does that outfit represents in their in their character? and the actors would get hooked on the clothes it, because it was a direct line into what they were supposed to do. So the directors were like, please take her and show her what's going on. And I mean, to me, the best clothes that he came up with are for, um, oh my God, I can't remember the name of the movie. Just give me one second. It's not Urban Cowboy, it's Midnight Cowboy. The one with um, Dustin Hoffman in that jacket that he wore and John Voight with that cowboy hat. They got so hooked on their wardrobe. The only person that would not wear what she wanted him to wear was John Travolta in a movie. And it cost him because he was supposed to play this poor guy and he insisted on wearing, you know, hugely expensive suits for his character. And she said that you can tell what you're looking at. You don't even recognize what you're doing, but 
we all identify people through their wardrobe. But anyway, the cool thing about this woman is she's 91 and she's still working. She can get any job she wants. And she didn't want the Barbie job because there was no wardrobe. All they did was look at the boxes, at the Barbie doll boxes and the wardrobe of Barbie and make it. And she said anybody could have done that. But she likes Greta and she wanted to be in the movie anyway. But there was no wardrobe design. It was complete copying of Barbie. So that's kind of cool. Okay, but she's 91, so that's my favorite part of that story. Okay, we've got um, Cricket has come to Texas. And it's huge because we have like 500,000 people, Indians, uh, people from Asia, from just Pakistanis, Indians in Texas. They've got stadiums. They are rocking the stadiums. They are having a great time. And I'm going to go to a cricket match. And they've shortened the game to two and a half hours from like 18 hours or whatever it was. So, I mean, it's crazy. The whole world is changing. Okay, so then there's a book that was in the book review and it looks great. Laura Dern wrote it. Her mother, Diane Ladd, was very sick, kind of almost in palliative care. And Laura said, I'm not gonna let this happen. So she started taking her mother. All she could do was 15 minute walks. So Laura went to where she was in, you know, she was like in a nursing home and they walked every single day. And instead of dying, Laura got better. And they started dealing with all of the issues that they ever had in their, in their lives. You know, Laura Dern was married to Bruce Dern. And the big secret in the story is that they had this daughter. She was 18 months old and she drowned. And then Laura was born to save the marriage. Well, that didn't work. Laura did not save the marriage and it was this big problem for all these years in their relationship. And they finally, on these walks, dealt with it. And Diane Ladd had to raise this daughter on her own. So her, so her mother came to live with them. And Laura Dern always felt like she was left behind. But Diane said, I was trying to make a buck. And it was very hard. They were 18 hours on the sets. I was a dumb bit player. I needed every single dime we got. So they had all this, all this beautiful uh, clarity or they, they, they both opened up about all their problems and all their misgivings and everything that went wrong. And on that walk, they got close and she's still alive. So she saved her life and they worked it out, all their problems. And I've got this other thing that I dropped. Oh my gosh. And it's this book. And the woman's name, let me see. It's gotta be here. I, how could it not be here? But it's not here. Okay, so, ouch. Um, okay, there's this woman. She works at Bergdorf Goodman. And she is 95 years old. And the Wall Street Journal did a story about her. I read her book. It's, um... Oh my gosh, where could it be? This is insane. Okay, so I read the book, it's called I'll Drink to That. And her name is Betty. She's 95 years old. And she has been working at Bergdorf's for over 60 years. 
She's amazing. She dresses people. I saw her once. I saw her back going in this like off alcove. I, you have to be really rich to, to have her come and help you. She dresses people beautifully. And not everything's from Bergdorf's. One of the things that she said was the best thing she ever saw was a white shirt from Target. She would tell people, buy this skirt for $8,000 and get the white shirt from Target. And people would do it. Generations, three generations, mother, daughter, granddaughter, all of them coming to her to be dressed for everything. College, weddings, I mean, what a job. And she is a genius. She wouldn't dress everybody in the most current fashion. She would look at that body she would talk to that person, find out what they really did with their lives, who they really were, where they were traveling to. She'd look at the, their eyes, take them outside, see what the light did, and dress them just that individual person in an individual outfit, not worrying about trends. And that's why she's lasted. And she's still working at Bergdorf's at 95. And Anne is still working, creating fashion in movies. Just, she's won Oscars. She's fabulous. And I'm thinking, if I had a daughter or granddaughter, I might tell her, think about going into fashion because maybe nobody can stop you. Maybe you can't be destroyed. If you're timeless, if you understand timeless fashion, maybe you never get fired. Maybe that's a skill that just can't be aged, just, just can't be discarded. I mean, 95 and 92, and they're at the top of their game. So I think that's just fascinating and beautiful. And that's what I've got. And I, I don't know what else, I don't know what happened to everything. All my papers disappeared. I think that's strange. It's. Tuesday and I think that's strange too because it feels like it's still Sunday. I'm kind of going into shock. It's 105 degrees here every day. I think my brain is frying. I'm going to start putting my head in the in the freezer. I'm going to start freezing it in ice cubes. I don't know what to do. I can't get any. I can't think. So anyway, that's what's happening. But 95 and 92, those people are my heroes. And their phone never stops ringing. Wow. I love it. So that's what I've got. And I will be back. Thanks.